Welcome to Islamic Life Coach School Podcast. Apply tools that you learn in this podcast and your life will be unrecognizably successful. Now your host, Dr. Kamal Akhtar. Hello, hello, hello everyone. Peace and blessings be upon all of you. I have done a lot of work on the topic of parenting, including webinars and workbooks and all of that you can find in my Empowered Muslim Women program. That is my paid coaching program, but if you want access to my webinars for free, get on my email list by going on my main website and downloading the free PDF. That way, you will get all the announcements for all the future webinars. I wanted to emphasize this topic of parenting more, so today's podcast is dedicated to this. If you're not a parent, it's okay. You might have interactions with other human beings that are younger than you, so you can listen on. A lot of thoughts in here will benefit you if you let them. Parenting is about cutes and cuddles until the kids start to gain some self-awareness and start to show signs of how social forces are shaping their upbringing. What you might have start to notice is the reflection of your own shortcomings in your children. If the kid has social anxiety or if the kid is too loud, if the girl is too shy, you're afraid she's going to turn into a doormat or the boy is too rough and there've been some reports of him bullying others. You might be questioning how is it that it's reflecting your shortcomings and it will become clear in this podcast and you'll also find it surprising that in this podcast about parenting we will not be talking much about child psychology <laughs> mostly we will be talking about how you can work on yourself as a parent i feel like in the parenting world it becomes one more thing to learn to learn what's going on in your child's head so you can get in there and dissect it and use it in your favor We always want to get into the child psyche and optimize our impact on them as results. That almost seems violating to me. Of course, child psychology has a time and a place, but today we're going to be talking about it in context of ourselves. Because guess what? Our children are not in our control. So trying to control them through reverse psychology is only a temporary fix if any, because they will eventually become smart enough to sense manipulation. So as always, we will be working on ourselves. When it comes to our children, it seems like worrying is the most natural and the most human thing to do. But let me tell you, worrying will not get you anything in the long run. If you're worried that there's a behavior that you think you should change in your child, then the emotion of worry did its job. It told you that you value children that can stand up for themselves, that can carve their own path, that have the strength to face adversity, and even if they find themselves broken, they can put themselves back together if not by themselves then they can find the right resources to help them get back together worry came to tell you all of this it came to tell you that you desire a child to be self-sufficient ongoing worry plays absolutely no beneficial role in the long run we're trying to raise adults and we're going to do it in a loving and supporting way what that looks like is that the kids are taught these concepts like post traumatic growth just because A child didn't score the winning soccer goal doesn't mean the world's coming to an end. Something that looks like a failure at face value is actually excellent opportunity for us to dissect it with them and have them grow with it. Let them feel the failure and normalize what the body goes through when they feel defeated. Oh, but for that, you have to normalize it for yourself first. Because how are you going to teach them to be okay with discomfort, to grow from it? when you can't stand it in your own body you immediately fidget move act or do something as soon as you sense discomfort in your body you have to become exquisitely aware of your body to be able to parent and you have to become comfortable with discomfort 
If you know anything about mind management the way I describe it in this podcast, you know that your thoughts create your results, not your circumstance. And through this work, you might find that you could change your child's thought. And if you could figure that out, what they're thinking and feeling, you could change their results and make them live easier lives. You will have a tendency to do all of this. You will have a tendency to manipulate their thinking and feeling just so they don't feel awful. Because as a parent, our natural instinct is to protect them. But what if protection wasn't the best thing? And I don't mean don't protect them from overt danger. Of course, that is our responsibility to create a safe environment for our children. But I mean protection from every little nuance in the world. Because believe it or not, the world is not created perfect for you and for your child. And you might have learned that the hard way for yourself. All human beings are created with a natural tendency to grow from stress. Hear me out. Every organic system in the universe grows with wear and tear. Your children are no different. If you protect them from feeling discomfort, you're restricting their growth, all because you don't know how to respond to your own discomfort. This discomfort that comes in situations of apparent failure or hardship is not a bad thing. It's not to be eliminated or annihilated. It's to be used to grow with. It's like a weight in the gym. You use the discomfort to grow the resilience muscle against. And you can only provide that opportunity for your children when you yourself can stop judging the discomfort as being bad. So let's talk more about the discomfort about showing children their mistakes. For example, spitting toothpaste on the mirror instead of in the sink. I mean, how hard is it just to lower your head after brushing your teeth and spitting? (laughs) I mean, the sink is right there. You know this is not the right behavior and they can learn to change it. But you might have discomfort about pointing out what they're doing wrong and even more discomfort about enforcing consequences. Again, don't make it about them, make it about yourself. What thought and feeling are you coming to the situation with? Are you upset that they'll never learn? They create so much work for you? Or are you curious as to how long it will take for them to learn? And are you feeling committed to let them take however long it takes to teach them? One possibility is that they're not going to come out of the bathroom until the mirror is clean. Another possibility is that you can brush their teeth for them. (laughs) That might not teach them the lesson though. You might even say the kid is too small. They can't reach the mirror. In that case, you can give them a step stool and a sponge. Hold them up and show them the wiping motion and how to clean it. Keep in check when you drop into frustration and anger all throughout this correction process. If that happens, it needs to be addressed before you can implement any consequence. Consequences implemented from anger and frustration will turn into a control battle. But from a place of love or respect, There's no punishment, no actual consequences, because then you don't focus on the outside, you focus on the inside. What is it that you're thinking and feeling while going through your parenting motions? Keep that in mind. And if you can get yourself in line with higher quality emotions and thoughts, your parenting will up-level. Same rules apply if you're teaching your teenager not to leave the bathroom looking like a war zone after they shower. Same if you have an adult child who keeps taking your car because there's never gas in their own car. Keep it about yourself. When your core, your beingness, your qalb, is aligned with higher quality, positive emotions, your parenting will be so much more enjoyable and effective. If a child had a bullying incident in school, and they're pretty shook about it, after taking appropriate administrative action, how are you going to show up as a supportive parent? you might have a tendency to give the bully a piece of your mind. Which again, you have the freedom to do, but it's not going to leave your child any better off. 
How are you going to normalize their discomfort and tell them that there's nothing wrong with them for feeling upset? And that despite of how good they are, things that happen in the world are sometimes unfair. Not always dwelling in the why does it happen to me? Why does it always happen to my children? Why did it have to happen at all? My question to you is, did it happen? Then that's why it should happen. Why fight reality? Use this opportunity to grow your resiliency muscles. Don't let it weigh you down. Our parenting in the long run becomes a mirror of our own shortcomings. We start to project our own fears and anxieties and insecurities in our children. We think that that's how they're designed. We think that's how the world actually is. When we talk to friends, we talk about kids, we think we're stating facts. We are not. We are projecting our thoughts onto our children and then replaying them as facts. Our children are the circumstance. They are outside of us. No matter how much you would like to believe otherwise, they are not in your control. And since they are outside of you, like any other definition of a circumstance, the only relationship you can have with them is through your thoughts. And the quality of these thoughts determines what kind of relationship you have with them and what kind of people they turn out to be. And ultimately, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides them. We think if we are good enough, if we are involved enough, firm enough, loving enough, we can control the ultimate outcome. We actually can't. Our children's values in faith are theirs to create. All we can do is teach them to co-regulate with us, self-regulate, and then eventually regulate with the divine presence that is Allah. A crying, screaming toddler is a human being who doesn't intellectually know how to control the situation. They're not aware of what's happening inside their body, how to make sense of it, why it feels so intense, and how to regulate it. Any behavior in a child is a surface symptom of a thought and a feeling pair. And sometimes that pair is causing internal turmoil. And since they can't make sense out of it, they act out. Most of the time, even if you investigate, you will not be able to find out what that thought and feeling is that's causing them to act this way. But at times, parents get good enough at guessing what they think is going on with their child internally. In cases of toddlers and young children, you can take a guess. Maybe it's hunger, maybe they're hot, maybe they have a dirty diaper. But as the kids grow, so do their experiences and they become more complicated. And for us to think that we can label their experience from the outside and call it accurate is a little short-sighted. You are welcome to label it for them. You can teach them, maybe you're experiencing frustration because your sister ate your ice cream. You can ask them, are you angry because your friend took your Pokemon cards? You can help them see from an early age to separate themselves from their environment in a way where you can show them that their thinking is creating their feelings. The friend or the sister is not. Continue to point it out to them. But always understand that you are taking a guess and you're taking a very accurate guess in your opinion about what they're thinking and feeling. But it is still a guess. Never force it on them and tell them with authority that that's how you're feeling. If they say no, then accept it. If you help them label their anger and they say no, they're not feeling angry, then don't invalidate their statement, their experience. Accept it at face value. Agree with them. That way, they don't learn to invalidate their own experience. Because imagine a child is telling you they don't feel angry and you keep telling them, but yes, you are angry. This way, if you don't validate their experience, then they learn to not trust themselves. That opens doors for others to invalidate them further. And they don't stand up for themselves in the future. Because this way, they've learned that their experience is wrong. 
This becomes an ongoing process, but the learning starts with you as a parent. At a very young age, they don't have a developed enough nervous system to regulate themselves. They depend on you for your cues of safety so they can keep their own nervous system grounded and calm. With enough guidance, you can start to instruct them on how they can regulate themselves. And depending on that maturity, you can show them how they feel sad, but the bully does not cause sadness and upset. For these types of explicit teaching, you would have to keep in mind their age and their level of maturity. Teenagers can be particularly challenging for some because while they seem like they have an intellectual capacity to understand this design, they might not have enough thought control and insight to be able to actually do it. The brain function of the insight and self-regulation develops in the late 20s, especially in today's hyperlogical society. Far too much dependence on logic and constant dopamine hits, quick fixes of instant gratification can delay the maturity of the prefrontal cortex or the part of the brain that is responsible for insight and regulation. With the logical part of their brain developed, teenagers can argue up the wazoo, but when asked to slow down and reflect and figure out how is it that they're feeling and why do they think they're acting like this, any kind of self-reflection activity and they might be lost. And this is not to single out young adults. Even adults in this day and age live a completely disconnected life with their bodies. With video gaming, quick access to communication, constant on-demand programming on TV, all of that has really polished all of our reflexive muscles, especially our teenagers. But our reflective muscles are really weak. With this, the society is becoming more and more about short-term gratification and that our teenagers need our support in learning long-term gratification. And they need our help and support until their own self-parenting part of the brain develops. That is the higher brain, the prefrontal cortex. When you're trying to make your kids perfect, or when you're trying to make their lives perfect, you're energetically asking to fill a hole that is in yourself. When you think something has gone wrong in your child's life, or that you must smooth out all of the wrinkles in their way, you're reflectively trying to do that in your own life. What you don't realize is that struggles can make them stronger, just like at some level struggles made you stronger. What you see to be their struggles in their life are actually struggles in yours. There are socialization forces out there that made you the person that you are today, and you don't want any negative socialization forces acting on your children. While this is a very noble intention in its own right, you're not doing them a favor by protecting them for outside forces. Real parenting is about preparing them how to deal with these forces while supporting them. This looks different for every age group. And within an age group, it looks different for neurodivergent children versus neurotypical children. Neurodivergent children are any child diagnosed with ADHD, depression, anxiety, being on the autism spectrum versus the rest of the population, which is neurotypical children that don't have any of these diagnoses. The way it helped me to think about this is why am I trying to control their circumstance? Because it is up to their thoughts and their nervous system to interpret it how they want. Sometimes they interpret their environment in a way that is supportive of them as a human being and their spirituality. Sometimes they interpret it in a way that is detrimental. Their interpretations cause their feelings and actions. I do not cause those results. And we have the power of dua and belief within ourselves and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide them. Your parenting technique is a microcosm of your life in general. 
the way you're showing up as a parent is the reflection of how you're showing up in your life. If you've been traumatized, you will be hyper vigilant about saving your kids from any trauma. And yes, it is your responsibility. And I'm not saying to leave your kids out to the wolves. I'm saying that you don't have to be hyper vigilant about it and lose your own peace of mind. That looks like you're trying to console them when they're crying because their lollipop fell on the ground. It's okay to let them cry. It's okay to let them feel hurt. If you yourself were a hyperactive, hyperachieving person growing up, then your tendency will be to overschedule their activities, their socialization, and their academics. And if you are afraid yourself to be bored, you're not going to let them be bored. And it's actually been proven to be very healthy to let the kids be bored. It opens up their creativity. If you have always dismissed your feelings and the related sensations in the body that these feelings generate, if you've done that all of your life, then you're going to get really good at dismissing your children's feelings until you inevitably train them not to pay attention to their own bodies. And the pattern continues. If you want to improve your parenting skills, a great way to do it is improve parenting yourself. Become masterful at your mind and your emotions, and your parenting will automatically up-level. If you examine closely, you will see that you are a mirror of self-critical thoughts. That's how you're showing up in your life. Parenting is not a unique situation. Your brain is a universal meaning-making machine. What meaning it makes out of other circumstances, it will copy and paste in parenting as well. If you are controlling in other ways, while rationally knowing that you can't control others, you will try to control your children and be frustrated when you are unable to do it. The problem is that you are mostly unaware of these thoughts about control. Because this is mostly a given in society that you are supposed to be able to control your children. It is such a universal teaching. But you are totally constantly fighting reality in this case because they are not in your control, no matter how much you believe it to be true. In this context, learning about your own mental and emotional and spiritual health becomes extremely important because you can actually explicitly teach them these tools, teach them about the model and how their thoughts create their feelings. And I have many clients that certainly do that. And I do that with my own children as well, depending on the situation. And a part of this explicit teaching will include being okay with being imperfect. It's okay to be afraid and not to be able to do things and fail and learn from the mistakes and be able to forgive yourself. You can teach them all of that through language and through real life examples. But it is also extremely important to teach them these lessons in an implicit way, in a way where you teach them through examples in your own life without ever having to use your words. You can show them how their mom stands up for herself and her family, but she does it with true respect for all human beings involved. And sometimes that looks like not agreeing on something. And sometimes that level of respect looks like being in conflict. You show them that their mom makes mistakes and she is verbal about how difficult it is for her to make these mistakes and how to get over them. She tries and she fails and that's okay too. When we teach our children that we are imperfect human beings, it normalizes their mistakes for them. When we teach our children that we are perfect human beings, on the other hand, by never showing our mistakes, always pushing them under the rug, and always dismissing our failures and our feelings, the kids don't learn the real lesson that everyone is an imperfect human being. And when they make their own mistakes, which they inevitably will, they internalize the mistake thinking that it wasn't supposed to happen this way and that there might be something fundamentally wrong and broken about them. 
Your comfort with admitting your mistakes is one of the biggest and most valuable lessons you can teach your children. Showing them that you're not strong through the lack of mistakes, but because of them. This also teaches them the genuine art of repentance, asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness. Because once you realize your mistake and you correct your path and you ask Allah for forgiveness by doing istighfar, you are considered forgiven unless you don't forgive yourself. And the way we do that is by thinking that mistakes aren't natural and that we are fundamentally broken. I hope you guys see the depth of this lesson that you can teach your children. <laughs> so, so far we've learned that in order to be a good parent, you have to be a really good parent to yourself. <laughs> Treat yourself with firmness and respect and you will automatically be a great parent. You can be firm with your children and you can love them. And you can be firm with them and be their friends. If my child hides dinner behind a cereal box and then eats dessert after telling me that she finished her dinner and I discover her untouched plate, she is not getting any of her screen time. Lying is not acceptable. Of course, there will be a meltdown on this consequence. There will be a lot of blame. You don't care about me. You hate me. And I will let all of it happen. I will offer her a hug for comfort. Sometimes she rejects it. Sometimes she takes it. But I will always help her separate from her actions. She is not bad just because she did something bad. She is always a pure soul. It's just that I value honesty and I want her to value honesty in her life. Lying is not acceptable. I love her with her behavior of deception and I create consequences. Now, of course, her brain will make it mean that this is the end of the world, that she didn't get her screen time for the day. The dopamine response of gaming and videos is so strong that she will actually be feeling the physical pain of withdrawal, just like adults feel the withdrawal pain if they don't get their coffee. And I will support her through that. It might look like she wants to be alone. It might look like that she wants cuddles. Or it might look like she's shouting and being disrespectful. And I keep pointing out, are you angry? Is it possible that you're upset? And I continue to help her separate from her actions while remaining firm on the consequences. You can absolutely deliver consequences from love and respect. That will require you coaching yourself and becoming aware of your own emotions. The emotional energy getting them to do stuff should not be of manipulation and control. And it should not be of frustration if they don't do what they're asked to do. The emotional energy behind your actions as a parent should be of respect, of them being an independent human being, and of course of love, if not for anything else than for the sake of Allah. <laughs> so the impression that somehow parenting has a different type of mind management work is completely untrue. Mind management is universal, no matter what role you're playing. And because of that, if you haven't already joined Empowered Muslim Women program, what are you waiting for? Like it's a gold mine. Parenting is a huge test for some of us. So when you join EMW, I coach you through the program and we have a ton of resources, including private and group coaching that will turn your parenting game around. With that, I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for patience with my children and myself while I learn how to parent myself. I ask for immense capacity to grow because of my children. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always keep them in his protection and keep them on the straight path. Suratul Mustaqim. I ask for wisdom to recognize things that are not in my control. And I thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala each and every day for this design, for all of the blessings that he has granted us in shape of our kids. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep our kids safe 
and firm in their faith. Amin ya Rabbul Alameen. Please keep me in your du'as. I will talk to you guys next time. Thank you for listening to the Islamic Life Coach School podcast. It is our mission to raise emotional intelligence among Muslims and to dispense tools of superior mental health, gaining success in this world and the next, one thought at a time. Hey, are you thinking about coaching? I invite you to a complimentary consultation with me where I can help you define the solution to your problem, regardless if you choose to work with me in the Empowered Muslim Women program or not. So you really have nothing to lose. Access the appointment link through the show notes and inshallah, I will see you there.